When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast, a show where a philosopher and a rocket scientist try to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Football Philosophy and Rocket Science podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. Hi, and welcome to Football Philosophy and Rocket Science he is the left guard, Dr. Joel Cade, philosophy professor at the left guard. I am the Village Elliot at TH Village Elliot. Together, we hope to offer unique perspectives on the hardest game in the universe, NFL football, and the strangest team to ever attempt to play at the Cleveland Browns. We're not necessarily the best analysts in the land, though we are very close. Nor do we claim to follow the best team in football, certainly not, but we are absolutely unique. Joel really is a PhD in football, no, PhD in philosophy, and I really am a former Air Force specialist in space power and propulsion at beautiful Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, the largest Air Force Base in the world and home of the deadliest fighting force in the world. And today we're going to talk about several subjects, uh, uh, three of which are going to be the uh, NFL lawsuit based on discrimination of various types, but especially sexual discrimination in the workplace. Uh, we're also going to talk about whether or not the Browns should have uh, cheerleaders in that context. And we're going to conclude with uh, social advocacy in NFL and particularly why free agents should sign with the Cleveland Browns in our opinion. Now, we're not paid by the Cleveland Browns. We can say whatever we want. And if we want to say that we think that the Browns are terrible and they're going to go winless, uh, you know, we're totally within our rights to say that. We are not paid shows for the Browns, but we really do believe that free agents should give the Cleveland Browns special consideration because of the positions that the Browns have taken on freedom of expression and their involvement in social issues. And we'll get to that uh, in just a few minutes. Although, Elliot, so I will say that... things that you wanted to say. Well, about... first I wanted to say uh, I'm not above getting paid by the Browns, so... Oh, if yeah. they want to pay if me, they want to bribe us. They want to pay me. Bribes. <laughs> I mean, I'm more than happy to get paid. But go ahead, I interrupted you. No, I'm I'm ready to turn it over to you. We were talking before the show started about the NFL lawsuit and uh, the uh, potential or al- alleged discrimination in the workplace. Right. So uh, this is actually. Um... Not a lawsuit per se, but the California and New York attorney generals have decided to do a joint investigation of the NFL headquarters and the NFL wow, studios okay. yes. in Los Angeles over um, allegations brought by 30 women uh, to human resources. And then these women allege and claim that um, after going to human resources, they were retaliated against that there's discrimination in the workplace in terms of pay and sexual discrimination in the workplace. Basically they're sexually harassed in the workplace and that when they complained about it, it 
they got retaliated against. So New York Attorney General and California's Attorney General decided to open a joint investigation against the NFL, which is one of but many investigations going on in the NFL and NFL-related teams and activities regarding these exact kind of behaviors. That's right. And earlier we had mentioned on a different show that the Washington team had been investigated for a period of years, but the only thing that was really found that was really wrong was an email sent by John Gruden, who really wasn't even on the team. And otherwise, they were, as far as we know, squeaky clean. Isn't that right? Well, I mean, if you believe that, I've got uh, some oceanfront property in Arizona I got for sale. I'll take I'm it. I'm more than willing to, to sell off to anybody interested. Okay. I mean, are you sure the NFL just gave over somebody as the, the scapegoat? This is the whole saga also with the commanders where Goodell was supposed to go to Congress after a couple times of skipping out. I believe he skipped out a couple times, then actually showed up. Uh, I know Dan Snyder had skipped out of his uh, you know, subpoenaed appearance before Congress. I'm not sure if he has actually testified before Congress or not. I'll have to find that out, but I know he had skipped out a couple times on that. So the NFL is clearly avoiding this situation, and Congress is trying to get into the situation when it comes to the commanders. Well, Dan Snyder's a busy man. That's also a situation where... The Maryland Attorney General and the Washington, D.C. Attorney General have a joint investigation investigating Dan Snyder's financial dealings with the NFL in terms of holding money back from people who paid personal seat licenses and people who put money in for deposits on season tickets. So they've got some other things going on there, too. By the way, I have a bone to pick with the Cleveland media, the actually the national media. Uh, concerning the Cleveland Browns. Who owns the Cleveland Browns? This is a trivia question. Who is the the owner of the Cleveland Browns? So now I would have to guess, because I think it's the Haslam Sports Group, yes. that they would own the Columbus the Crew and, yes. and a quarter of the Milwaukee Bucks. And who is the CEO of Haslam Sports Group? I would, I would want to say Jimmy Haslam because he's been the most out front of, uh, of You of would them. be wrong because for the past few years, it's been D. Haslam and all the official correspondences from the team are now signed D. and Jimmy Haslam. But the media tends to continue to refer to Jimmy Haslam III as the owner of the Cleveland Browns. And it's not true. And it's not just a... Uh, you know, a, a perfunctory title. D. Haslam really does have final say so over the uh, important decisions that run the Cleveland Browns. I believe it is she that reorganized the front office and coaching staff from top to bottom. And what she really did, I think that's important, is to clarify the roles that the team was going to play. Like you'll recall that in 2018, there was the thought that. Well, okay, we're really mad at Hugh Jackson for making bogus play calls, but we'll let you keep your job, but we're going to have the offensive coordinator be in charge of the offensive play calling. So the offensive play caller is going to have more authority than the head coach on certain parts of the job. It's it's all mixed up where you've got uh, people at lower levels in charge of people at higher levels, and that's the type of thing 
that uh, D. Haslam wanted to straighten out. That mm-hmm. no, let's figure out who's working for who, and we're not going to have people at lower levels bossing around people at higher levels. Well, I think one of the most going to be the general manager. The coaches are going to coach. The players are going to play, and we're not going to get those roles mixed up. Let's figure out who's going to do what. Who's going to make the call on draft day? We're not going to have the owner drafting players anymore. We're going to have, you know, the appropriate person make the call on draft day rather than have a, a, a ethnic fire drill to select uh, who's going to make the call. Okay, <laughs> an ethnic fire drill. <laughs> That's pretty good. No, I, I, I think what the best thing. Am I in trouble? I don't think you're in trouble. I think what the best thing D. Haslam has done is actually listen to Paul D. Podesta. I mean, that yeah. guy's been that guy's been making a million dollars plus a year. I don't know for how many years, and Jimmy Haslam just didn't care what he had to say. He'd rather hear what the homeless guy had to say, as opposed to the guy he's paid a million dollars to organize the organization. I think that's what he does. He institutional yes. systems is what yes. he's about. A homeless guy was the person that they listened to rather than the smartest guy in the organization. And D said, we're not going to do that anymore. Let's get the smartest guy in the organization. And he's going to choose the general manager and, uh, and then uh, the head coach, not homeless guy. Well, I think we're being a little facetious with the homeless guy. The homeless guy really didn't pick the pick, but like, it was more like, we might confirmed. as well have because he just pretty much confirmed what Jimmy Haslam already wanted to do, which was take Johnny Manziel. And the homeless guy just kind of like gave him the confirmation. Yeah, go for it. It'll be great. Well, yeah, that process did not work. <laughs> we needed to have uh, a more rigorous process, but it caught everybody by surprise. The head coach didn't know that it was going to be Manziel. Nobody knew that it was going to be Manziel. It was not a good decision. There were other quarterbacks that were apparently ranked higher uh, within the organization and that the people that were uh, primed to make that call uh, thought, I think that they wanted to have uh, Derek Carr uh, or they uh, uh, wanted uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think uh, that they were rated one, two and Manziel was highly rated, but not number one. I think he was probably a second round draft pick uh, in their view. And they probably didn't rate, highly enough the importance of off-the-field issues, which were known about to some extent at the time. Well, that was also the same draft where they didn't do a single bit of investigation on Justin Gilbert and drafted him anyway. Oops. I mean, that's um, a known that's a known yep. entity out there that they did zero workup on the guy because they thought, oh, he'll never get to us. Then when he did get to them, they're like, oh, my gosh, we need to just take this guy. And they just took the guy sight unseen. That was a problem. And then then also we had uh, general managers telling the offensive coordinator who to start, uh, who to put in and out of the lineup and using their cell phones to tell uh, people who to, you know, how to do their job instead of letting them do the job the way they're supposed to. But according to the NFL rule book, uh, it does. It does seem that. it does seem that things have been cleaned up in terms of some of the buffoonery that are been going on around, you know, the, the Browns since it seems, it seems since D Haslam kind of took the reins. And I don't know if that was prompted by 
the FBI raid of Pilot Flying J. Well, I, I don't and think which, we should go in there since we I, I'm just I'm just saying those are side but by I, side. Let's They're parallel. Say, let's just say that I believe Jimmy Haslam woke up and realized that his way wasn't working, and uh, D. Haslam was the CEO of Revere Media that won uh, eight um, Oscar nominations. She is a CEO in her own right and a brilliant organizer and far more qualified to uh, organize a corporation. Now, Jimmy Haslam was great at making money and he did a, a, you know, a very good job with Pilot Oil and you know, very famous for that, rightly so. But uh, Dee was a brilliant organizer. She's not as extroverted as Jimmy Haslam. Jimmy Haslam is very good at working the media. Mm-hmm. But Dee Haslam is the organizer, and she deserves credit for that. Also, I will say, to... let me let me jump in on this on Jimmy, yeah. though. Berkshire Hathaway purchased Pilot Flying J. And, true. you know, if the Oracle of Omaha is going to get involved, and um, we're talking about Warren Buffett, for those of you who don't recognize Oracle of Omaha or Berkshire Hathaway, when, when Warren Buffett goes in and buys an organization, he's not buying that organization because he wants to run that organization. They're buying that organization because they are well run. They can continue to make money and they see this as a place to basically stash their money, keep the people who are still running the organization, continue to have them running the organization and continue to make the money. They're just essentially owning the company and stashing their money in it. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they're, that's what basically what Berkshire Hathaway does. So Jimmy Haslam has been successful on the pilot flying J side of situations. Yes, yeah, yeah. Both have been very successful doing what they do. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about something that they've done is diversify the front office. The Browns have been way out in front, as usual, and including women in the front office and the coaching staff. They're um, uh, among the leaders in incorporating any category that you want to mention in terms of uh, involving uh, uh, African Americans in the front office, or uh, females in the front office, or uh, persons of color or of different religion. The Browns have diversified their uh, front office like like no other organization has. The Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. I think, um, bar none, have been number one in the NFL at the diversifying their front office. I don't. And, and in fact, in this last draft, I think that pick that we. You, the Browns used on uh, Siaki Ika was actually a compensatory pick that the Browns got because they had a minority hired out of their front office into another team's front office, which I believe was the Kwesi Adofu Mensa yeah. pe- yes. Uh, pick. Yes, Kwesi. I, I can't pronounce his name. I apologize for that. Kwesi uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad Mensa. at it. Kwesi Adofu Mensa. And I mm-hmm. forgot um, what nationality his uh, parents are. I think. Possibly they were from Nigeria, but I'm not sure about that. But uh, but yeah, he got his uh, uh, professional upbringing in the Cleveland Browns organization. He grew up to be a general manager of Minnesota. We wish him well, except when they played the Cleveland Browns. And uh, he left uh, us a legacy of two third-round draft picks when he left. So that's all cool. Yeah, there you go. And uh, yeah, do you want to talk about cheerleaders? You promised me a so- Oh, yeah, I can. You're going to just cut me off here in a few minutes. I tell you what, I think uh, the Browns have been very 
astute and wise to stay out of the cheerleading game in the NFL. I mean, obviously the weather plays a role in it, but the cheerleaders are the like exploited class of the NFL. I, I, you know, do philosophy. And I always think of when I see the NFL cheerleaders, I always think of Marx and Engels, the communist manifesto at the very end. It says workers of the world unite, you know, cheerleaders of the NFL unite. You're getting the, the, the garbage into the deal. <clears throat> Oftentimes they get paid $50 a game. That's what the Bengals were going at. At one point, their cheerleaders were paid $50 a game. And if you ever actually watch the cheerleaders, which I don't, but I can imagine they're down there jumping around like the entire game. Mm, That's a lot of work. Plus the practice that goes into it. Plus they're out there and they have signed over their image and likeness to like pictures, photographs, calendars, anything you can think of. You got these cheerleaders out there and they're not getting paid a whole lot for it. They're being told, well, this is a great opportunity for your career. This is a great opportunity for you to have exposure. You know, and that's when you start talking about it's a great opportunity for you. It's really not. It's a great opportunity for someone else to use you to further their own business. <laughs> and unfortunately, the cheerleaders have been in the middle of that with the NFL. Plus, you've got the issues that was alleged with the commanders. You can go ahead and look that up. I'm not going to talk about that stuff. But it there's nothing good that comes from having cheerleaders for an NFL team. I don't see anything good of it. I'm glad the Browns are not in it. And all the cheerleaders of the NFL unite, unite, fight against the power, get the, the, the benefits you deserve, get the pay you deserve. You're bringing in a lot of money for these NFL organizations. You deserve your fair share of the situation. And I think you should get a lawyer, unionize up and go get your fair share. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm just scanning the internet and it looks like they are doing that. Um, good for them. I'm, I'm seeing, um, <clears throat> that, uh, the salaries of pro football cheerleaders in the U.S. range from thirteen thousand to three hundred and forty-six thousand, with a well, median good. of sixty-three thousand. So that's um, different from say five years ago when I looked yes. at this, and they're getting paid fifty bucks a game, with no benefits or support or anything. Yes, to quote Bob Dylan, "The times they are a changing." Uh, some of the older, you know, just a few years ago, the data says that the Average NFL cheerleader salary is $150 per game day. So holy cow. Right. Uh, that, that's grossly different. So I believe that it is uh, changing quite a bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is quite an amazing uh, difference. I just um, think it's bad, bad business to be in. It's, um, yeah, it, it's, it has been um, horrible definitely whether it's changing now uh, i'm not sure but it seems like things are on the upswing they should be um i think it is an issue um uh, about um all right elliot we're um we're up on a commercial break here so okay let's go for it we're gonna take a commercial break everybody and we'll be back on the other side Break on through to the other side. And we're back, guys. 
Thanks for sticking around for us. I know Elliot had another awesome topic he wanted to bring up. He wanted to discuss giving back to the community and NFL free agents. Yeah, I'm uh, looking for that <laughs> on my uh, computer. Well, in the meantime, you know, I always fret when I go to a game and I see cheerleaders standing outside and all this kind of stuff. I remember when I had um, lived in Atlanta, I was uh, went to a blood drive where the Falcons cheerleaders were there, and they were giving away free tickets to games. Of course, this was the ticket to the fourth NFL preseason game, so they're, they're literally giving these things away. And this woman was talking to everybody that was there, and one of the things that she told us was that you know, she doesn't even get paid to go to the blood drive. She's required to be at the blood drive, but wasn't even getting paid to be at the blood drive. And I thought, this is ridiculous. They got her out here in this cheerleader outfit. She's not getting paid to do it. It's because she's getting the opportunity to be a cheerleader and she could have it on her resume for the rest of her life. It's just sad. So Elliot, the schedule comes out tomorrow. See, did it work? Uh, give me a second here. We'll get you set up here. There you go. You're going to have to start your slideshow. There we go. So for okay. those of you who uh, can't see, Elliot has a slideshow up here, and he's going to tell us what he's breaking down for us and okay, bring it on right. home. There you go, Elliot. It's all you, man. If you're on the, um, the audio-only podcast, we'll have to tell you that I'm calling out NFL free agents uh, we normally don't even worry about social causes enough, in my opinion. We wait until there's a crisis, and then suddenly we say, oh, yes, the NFL cares about social causes so much. And so I'm calling you out, free agents, that if uh, social justice and ethnic diversity really matter, Northeast Ohio and the Cleveland Browns specifically have been way, way, way out in front since the birth of professional football. Uh, other ownership uh, ship groups have promoted conflict with players, threatened to bench or fire players for not towing the company line. That is a fact. And so we respectfully consider or suggest that you consider these factors when you choose which team you're going to sign with uh, when you're a free agent. And let's see. Uh, let me go for the next one. Now I'm showing a photograph of the uh, Cleveland Summit for Muhammad Ali in 1967 when people were debating whether they should support Muhammad Ali's decision to be a pacifist during the Vietnam War. There's a photo of Jim Brown, uh, who was uh, the head of uh, the uh, so-called summit, and it was his uh, 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 Black Economic Union uh, in uh, Euclid Avenue that uh, hosted the meeting, which is the center of uh, activity at that time. And there's also Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Bill Russell of the Boston Celtics, um, Willie Davis of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Carl Stokes, who would become the first black mayor of a major city, namely Cleveland, uh, John Wooten of the Cleveland Browns, and uh, many other famous athletes came to Cleveland to support Muhammad Ali. And that's because Cleveland was the place where this kind of debate uh, was allowed to happen. You couldn't do this in just any city. That's a long time ago. But let's talk about the, the uh, 2020s, about this decade. Uh, we had, uh, you know, in a time of crisis, uh, a lot of 
NFL owners were very, very angry about things like the Kaepernick flag protest. And actually, it was the backlash, really, uh, that got everybody into trouble, where the owners got so mad when they threatened the players that they're actually, you know, potentially uh, infringing their constitutional rights of free speech. And um, they were really getting in trouble. And um, it looked like the NFL was was landing on the wrong side of the issue that, that, gee, we support police brutality and we support discrimination. And, and so the commissioner said, well, whoa, wait a minute. How did we get on this? This is not where we want to be. And, uh, and you know, really created a mess. And uh, in contrast, the Browns ownership, you may criticize them for a lot of things, but from the get-go, they firmly supported listening to the players, dialoguing with the players, and they publicly backed their concerns, unlike other ownership groups. And the Browns have responded uh, in a positive way, you know, saying, let's, let's forget about what happened and, you know, some of the misfires that occurred where there were protests that, in, in my opinion, were misdirected, where they made a lot of people mad. But what should you be doing? Well, you should be having a program like the Browns Be the Solution, which allows players, corporations, and ordinary fans to work together to cause social change and to uh, build communities and economic uh, progress. Okay, now here uh, I'm showing a slide which contains a statement from Dee and Jimmy Haslam that early on supported the players and also uh, disagreed with the President of the United States and said that, look, uh, you know, there was a statement from uh, President Trump uh, saying that we need to bench all the players who uh, opposed uh, the uh, protest or, or that supported the protest, I'm sorry. And uh, the uh, Haslam's, D and Jimmy, uh, said that uh, we view our organization as great unifiers of people and they supported uh, having conversations and creating a plan to work together in the neighborhoods. We support the Cleveland Police Department. We're proud of the efforts to uh, quietly improve the lives of others. And uh, so they were, they were really, I think, a positive uh, voice of reason in this time of crisis. And this was in great contrast to other owners. <clears throat> I've got a quote from an owner who will remain anonymous for the time being. <clears throat> but this owner said that under no circumstances will our team, I don't care what happens, under no circumstances will we as an organization Coaches, players, not support, stand, recognize, and honor the flag, period. Okay, so that got into trouble. And later, uh, that owner uh, did indeed uh, take a knee, uh, link arms with the players, and say, yeah, yeah, I was sorry about that. I kind of misspoke there. Sorry. So, Be the Solution is on the Cleveland Browns uh, website. You can find it at www.clevelandbrowns.com slash community slash b hyphen the hyphen solution backslash <clears throat> and there are all kinds of uh, organizations that are all tied together you can find one that you can support you know players participate and i'm showing a picture of anthony walker jr who is a judge kind of like a shark tank affair 
where they had small businesses compete uh, in order to get um, a uh, investment uh, in their business. And uh, the Cleveland Browns participated in that and supported that along with other local investors to promote um, minority owned businesses. So there's all kinds of different things, you know, voter uh, uh, registration, community support, uh, other uh, efforts to uh, improve relations with the police and also promote police reform, economic advancement, and small businesses, all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, that's what the Cleveland Browns are about. Uh, there are other teams in the NFL that are doing similar things, but the Cleveland Browns have always been way out in front and in getting involved in the community. Uh, it dates back to when the Cleveland Browns were first formed. You will recall that the Cleveland Browns were the first team in pro football uh, to hire uh, African-American players in 1946. And uh, it's, uh, it hasn't stopped since then. That, that's our legacy. And uh, am, am I still sharing or not? I have. You are no longer sharing, Elliot. Okay, cool. Let me see if I can close this. So I will agree with you. The Browns have always been in the forefront of social justice issues. I think some of this took a back seat under the Art Modell um, <clears throat> time where he didn't like having people out there in the middle of, of some of these issues, but um, particularly his well-known controversies with Jim Brown. But I, I think the Browns have really in skilling D and Jimmy Haslam for as much as they get about the homeless guy and the disorganization and the dysfunction, they've always seemed to gotten the business side of the situation. Correct. And I think they understand players aren't just things that throw out there, but there are actual people and take care of people. And the Browns have been an organization that in the eighties was one of the first to really have, you know, a drug rehabilitation kind of program for the players that actually spawned into the NFL's drug uh, policy, if you will. So they've always been in the forefront on the business side as much as the football side. So if, if we have to endure losing, at least we can endure losing as a, as a model organization that's just happened to be losing on the football field as opposed to being some other organizations out there. Yeah, well, it should, it should <laughs> translate. I'm hopeful that uh, that the some of the free agents will take that into consideration, that this is a community that will support them, mm -hmm. and uh, that the uh, uh, they will find the opportunity to bring about social change if that's what they're about. They will find a home in Cleveland that they will appreciate. That's that's my belief. They'll find other communities where uh, they will find very, uh, what shall I say, very strict ownership that may not be quite so tolerant of uh, different ways of thinking that my way or the highway. That's what you want. Okay. But uh, I'm, I just wanted to inform, and again, I'm not being paid by the Cleveland Browns. Although and, I'm not against it. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's very important to just point out uh, what's different about the situation in Cleveland compared to the situation in some other cities that are not the same. Right. And with that, Elliot, we're running up against it. So uh, any any final thoughts here? Go Browns.
Right, go Browns. Thank you for listening to Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow Joel on Twitter at the Left Guard and Elliot at the Village Elliot. <laughs>